We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear, plus they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK. That's ROCKCHALKSPORTSTALK, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F- that. You don't got time that. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer here for your edition of RCST today. We're going to be joined by Michael Swain of Fog.net and 24-7 Sports coming up here in about 35 minutes of right now. we got some more KU football audio to get to you today with KU Football Media Day coming yesterday. And we've got a uh, couple more editions of RCST trivia and two fun segments, our lie detector test. And then in the 5 o'clock hour, we unveil a brand new segment here that we call Florida Man Mad Libs. So stick around for that coming up later on. In the show, Kansas DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN+. One lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. And we have the breaking news today that um, I guess there's supposed to be a soft open for this by September 1st. I don't know what that means. My understanding is that I think that you'll be able to bet online on September okay. 1st, but then the actual physical books don't open until the 8th, okay. or between the 1st and the 8th, I think. And there are six actual books that are coming only, to Kansas. There's only four. There's four? Okay, so there's four oh, actual oh, ones. No, there's six books, but okay, four okay. casinos. Okay, four yeah, casinos. yeah, so four casinos, six books, and there's 12, I believe, online. Mm, but the yeah, only uh, one yes. that matters is DraftKings. Yes. So... Um, yeah, but, but yeah, you'll be able to go to like, you know, Hollywood Casino is going to have everything open. But why would you want to have to drive anywhere when you could just pull out your phone, open up your DraftKings Sportsbook app and bet on games right from the comfort of your home own home? So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KLWN to get one hundred dollars in free bets. You don't even have to deposit anything. You just get the money. Bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas, which is coming up here in a couple weeks. Plus, one customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KLWN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements, one per customer, $100 issued as four twenty-five dollars free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void where prohibited. 
ends first day. DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at dkng.co slash ks. The big news from today is from the Big Ten. They announced their new meteorites deal. I mean, gigantic. It's by far the largest in, in college athletics history. Uh, I'll be interested to see what the SEC gets when, when theirs um, comes up here in, in a few years. But it's $7.5 billion over seven years. It's going to start in 2023. It expires in 2030, which I, I find funny that it'll still expire before the ACC. Deal. Like, not just before, like years before the ACC. They could do another one of these deals, and it would expire only like a year after the ACC's expires, which, uh, again, not great for the ACC. Uh, this came from Andrew Brandt. Annual national media revenue on times of reports of the deal. So the SEC, $588 million. That was the next highest for uh, collegiate athletics. The NHL is making $625 million per year. The Big Ten up over, it's like $1.07 billion per year when you divide out the 7.5 over 7 years. Then you have the MLB at $1.96. The NBA and EPL and NFL, so on, go up the list. But that's crazy that... Um, the Big Ten is making almost double what the NHL is and that the Big Ten is like rapidly approaching on what the MLB is doing. Yeah, a couple of different thoughts on this. Number one, also that was kind of coming out of this was this idea that the Big Ten is supposedly not done expanding. I guess part of their deal is they have essentially clauses of the contract that essentially allow them to potentially make more money if they add more members to their conference, which... I don't understand how you, I don't think you could really read that any other way other than the Big Ten clearly aggressively looking to add more members, right? Why else would they why else would they have that those stipulations in their contract? So they're they're clearly looking to add more members. And yeah, I mean it it is shocking. And the other thing is that the Big Ten did, which is this is new to college athletics. I don't think we've seen this before. The Big Ten did what the NFL has done, which is they roped in multiple networks onto one deal to essentially drive up the price, drive up competition for the different time blocks that they wanted, right? Fox obviously definitely wanted the noon games, and they still got it. And then here's CBS. And the curious thing about CBS to me is what they put into this deal with the Big Ten is actually less than, I guess, what they had offered the SEC to stay with the SEC, right? So I don't know if the CBS, I guess, for whatever reason, thinks that the SEC is not going to be the preeminent league in the future, but that that's very interesting to me. Like, why why would they do that? I, I mean, I figured they would want to stay with the with the SEC, but for whatever reason, they've decided to, to hitch their wagon to the Big Ten instead. It'll be really weird hearing that CBS music on Big Ten games. Yeah, they posted on the Twitter. I don't know yeah. if you saw the post on Twitter with the with the music and all the Big Ten mm-hmm. stuff, and it was, yeah, it was interesting. And, of course, my thing is, like, Gary Danielson epitomizes <laughs> the SEC. Right. Now he's going to have to go do a 3.30 game between, like, Purdue and Iowa or something. You know what's funny? For the, for the younger generation, though, who are, like, growing up, who maybe are, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old, like, they're just getting into their their – I don't know, college football watching days, they're going to see that and they're always going to think yeah. in their lifetime, like, oh, no, that's normal. CBS has always been the Big Ten. It'll be kind of interesting w- with how that all works. I guess CBS does do, like, Big Ten basketball, so from that standpoint, um, they've always kind of been linked up there. But you're right. That's very interesting with the SEC. It makes me think, because ESPN is out on the Big Ten side of things. Um, it makes me, because now there's even more pressure on ESPN to whether it's the Big 12, the ACC, the you know Pac-12, more so the SEC, really be dominant in securing TV rights there because you don't want to lose really all the power they have with, with college football. 
But it does make me wonder if ESPN, because of that, and given what CBS is doing, if they are making the cost so high, so impossibly uh, a big of a number for the SEC, that that would be why CBS doesn't want to do it. But to your point there, the ACC is irrelevant here. I mean, yeah. they're locked in for yeah. the next, what, thir- 12 years, 13 years? Yeah. So they're almost irrelevant in terms of media rights deals. Yeah, and, I, I just meant and, from a standpoint of trying to get like get other yeah, leagues. Yeah, and, and, but you think about those ACC schools like Clemson, the Florida States, like – they probably are feeling kind of bad right now with with what they with the situation they've got Very because bad. we've seen the the cost of these media rights. I mean, double, triple, whatever, you know, at an exponential rate over just over the past couple of years, right? I mean, even the SEC they signed their deal with ESPN in 2020, and already that's been well eclipsed by this deal for the Big Ten. So. It's very interesting, and and when you're signing these long term deals, in the case of the ACC, like. They're stuck now with that for the next 13 years. Yeah, it makes it look so much worse because, again, like the ACC is only making, I don't know, 30, 35 million, 40 million per year right now per school. The Big Ten is part of this. Like uh, the first year in 2023, it won't be as much. And then when you, once USC and UCLA join, so that'll be 2024, the schools are going to be making like $75 million per year. That's already a big jump from what like the Big 12 is making right now, which is a little over 40, and we'll see what happens with the Big 12 with the new schools they added, and then you lose Texas and Oklahoma. But like the Pac-12, for instance, was making uh, a little over $30 million per school. The UC Board of Regents yesterday said that USC makes up 30% of the Pac-12 revenue, so that's like $10 million of that gone. I don't know. The Pac-12 might only be making $25 million at the next day. They might be making a third of the money of the Big Ten. And I think that's, you know, this all kind of ties back into what you said about the expansion stuff. What better way to, and, and it's not that these schools weren't interested to begin with in, in joining the Big Ten, right? Like if you're Kansas or, or you're Oregon, of course, after the USC and UCLA news came calling, you'd love to be in the Big Ten. But it's even more like positive advertising to that sense when, hey, now this is a national story. We just came out with our media rights. This is how much the schools in our conference are making, $75 million. Why would you not want to jump ship to join our league? And I, I guess with the Big Ten, like who becomes the next domino to fall? Because you're right. If, if they have that clause in there, they didn't just write it in there just as a throw. Yeah, just to have it, right? Exactly. They, they're clearly, clearly it's in there because they plan on executing a, a – a, you know, a detailed plan of attack for trying to pursue more at schools. Yeah, and I think the first one you circle, because it's been the one we've heard so much about, and it is the kind of, I guess, the white whale of college athletics and the conferences trying to bring them in, is Notre Dame, right? What's interesting to me as, as part of those different, um, I guess, networks that are part of this, like Fox has the noon game, CBS the 3.30 game, NBC is the night game. That's the big one there, NBC. You know why? Because Notre Dame has tied their rights with NBC for the TV deal. So... As much as all this realignment stuff has happened from schools and conference presidents and conference commissioners and stuff, we know that the real like puppeteers behind all this stuff has been the networks, specifically like ESPN. ESPN has been a big reason why a lot of this realignment has happened. This feels like there are enough dots that we could connect here, to me at least, that we could be like, oh, NBC is getting involved in this. Oh, NBC would love for Notre Dame to, instead of playing these ACC schools that they're playing right now as part of their contract, be like, no, let's bring back those old Notre Dame rivalries against Michigan and Michigan State and Purdue and the games that you really remember. Oh, and now USC. you have USC in there, right? Yeah, USC. So if we're connecting the dots there with the correlation of NBC, 
and the expansion thing, it really makes me wonder if Notre Dame would actually go to the Big Ten at this point. I will say, I personally right now, I do not envy athletic directors of a Power 5 school right now. I mean, this is this is like seismic stuff that's changing so quickly when you look at the in terms of the big picture of the college landscape i mean even even for, even for KU a team that or a, a school that it seemed like there was maybe some interest in the Big 10 maybe some mutual interest but now like what do you do if you're KU i mean you you're just about to add some teams to the Big 12 but now here's the Big 10 coming out with this huge deal and they're looking to expand clearly still and is the Big 10 even still interested in KU i mean the Big 10 they could be looking and saying hey you know what we're just going to go with, we're just going to get the Pac 12 instead and not even be not even worry about KU, mm-hmm. uh, because obviously KU brings the brand from the basketball perspective, but there you know there's a lot more to it than just one athletic program when you're looking to to join conferences. So I, I don't I don't really know. And like I said, I don't I don't envy somebody who's an athletic director at at any school, whether it's in the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve or even the ACC of uh, those those conferences right now because. Yeah, I mean it's it's changing so quickly, and these are decisions that some of these schools are making that are going to catastrophically shift the landscape for many years in the future, right? Yeah. And they're making these decisions very quickly. So it's you're making a decision, and then you're making a follow up decision when you don't even really know what your first decision, how your first decision is going to pan out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, and you don't. And at the same time, I'm sure a lot of these athletic directors, a lot of these schools, feel like they don't want to be feel like they're frozen in the moment you know i mean you do maybe you have an opportunity like this but you don't want to feel like well we should wait and see how things play out and then you've missed your opportunity to potentially you know be a part of something bigger yeah yeah it, it's tough and it's it's hard to, to totally dice what the big Ten's plan would be because are they waiting on notre dame and is it something where that would have to happen first before they add other teams? Or is it something where they're going to keep trying for Notre Dame, but in the meantime, they're going to go after these Oregons and Washingtons and, and who knows, maybe a KU. Obviously, from a KU standpoint, if the Big Ten calls and they're like, we want you, you say yes right away. Yeah, or you, you definitely have to mm-hmm. be interested. Because again, like the Big 12, it, it seems like is on pretty good footing at this point, and it might be ahead of the Pac-12 and the ACC, and that's great. It might be the third best Power 5 conference right now. But even then, the Big 12, like I said, and this, this is even with Texas and Oklahoma, you're making $40, $50 million per school. Now imagine you're pretty much doubling that. Because that's what would happen if you go to the Big 10, right? Yeah. So if the Big 10 comes calling, you take it right away. I would imagine those conversations, though, are more so going the other way. I think right now the Big 10, I don't know. It's, a, it's like the Big 10 is trying to pursue Notre Dame. Everyone else is trying to pursue the Big Ten. And that doesn't mean the Big Ten does or doesn't want those schools. Like, I'm sure eventually the Big Ten will be like, yeah, we'll take you on Oregon, or yeah, we'll take you on Washington. But I think right now the Big Ten is basically saying to those types of schools, Oregon, Washington, Kansas, or whatever other schools would apply there, Stanford, Cal, I don't know, pitch us on why you would make a good fit here. And that is, I mean, among everything that, you know, Travis Goff has been put under the pressure to do since taking over. I mean, he got thrown right in the fire, right? You're talking about Bill Self had just been given a, a lifetime extension. Okay, he's dealing with this NCAA stuff in basketball. On uh, the football front, you had to hire a brand-new coach at that point early on in your tenor, tenure as athletic director. Now we're talking about stadium renovations. They sent out, like, a, a survey yesterday. 
to fans asking for recommendations on you know what they would want, what what they'd be looking for in, in possible stadium recommendations, which kind of adds to the idea that that, that seems to be something that uh, is going to be popping up soon here. Which, by the way, did you see the picture of this? Just a quick aside. All the fans were in like purple. I, I like, did. Come on, um, really? And I I think it must have been like I don't know, maybe a, a, they a screen the grab in the of, blue. <laughs> well, or, or I even saw somebody else, somebody, the people, the Twitter sleuths were out on this one saying like, well, maybe it was like a, they just, they took a screenshot of another school's like drawings. Like those weren't KU specific uh-huh. drawings. You know what I mean? Like they were just showing like, oh, hey, that's what it could be. So they're stealing people's work. So it's like, it's you know, here's, better. like here's Northwestern's <laughs> yeah. drawings, but it's, oh, that you makes know what I'm saying? Right? You know, you know yeah. But honestly, you know, I, you see all that happening. Like clearly, there is this movement being had that the KU knows they have to get to this point where, like, I'm sure even if the Big Ten does have interest right now in KU, they're saying, "Okay, well, you still have a couple years before the Big Twelve media rights are out." And I know that you don't want to pay the big buyout because that's what Oklahoma and Texas are doing. Like they're waiting till uh, things are all done with the Big Twelve in 2025, 26, when they can just get out for free and not have to pay this this exorbitant fee. I'm sure that's would be what would be. KU's path as well. So if you're going to have to wait three, four years to do it, we might as well see what you look like in three, four years as opposed to taking you on now. Because what if in three, four years, you know, the football program still isn't fixed and you still don't have stadium renovations and now there's NCAA stuff on your basketball program. Maybe we don't want you at that point. But, and I'm sure this is what Travis Goff is saying to the Big Ten, like, you know, football is always not going to be bad. And in fact, with our new head coach, we think it's going to be good pretty soon here. And so you know what we have with basketball. You know what we have from, you know, a loyal alumni base and, and some of the big areas that we hit and, and all these things. I mean, Chicago is a huge exactly. is a huge KU alumni area. Yeah, you know what we have. You know we're this great um, academic research institution. We have uh, KU Med and everything. We fit so well. Football's not going to be bad forever. Like, <laughs> as bad as it's been, you, there's it, going to be a turnaround. You, it right? just can't be, you would think. Exactly. And so this is kind of these next three or four years is the proof of concept of not just can the football team get a little bit better, but also can you get the fan support? Can you get the engagement to allow that? Like the stadium renovations, getting donations, getting donors on board with that stuff. That is all of the utmost importance. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is mutual interest there, but I don't think it's something yet where it would be like the Big Ten is ready to make an offer right now. I think it's kind of a wait-and-see approach from them. I would just like to add one more thing. For the traditional conference people, the, oh, college football, whatever, those people, whatever you want to say, right? And, I mean, there was a time where I was one of those people. I mean, I was very disappointed when Missouri left back to go to the ACC, right? So I was at one point one of those people, right? I think now you just have to accept the reality that you're, that's a losing battle. Like, sorry, it's just not going to happen. This is the new reality of, of college athletics, of – you're going where you can get the biggest bucks. You're going where you can get the most TV exposure, whatever, X, fill in the blank, right? So for anybody out there that's sitting here listening and saying, oh, well, what about the college tradition rivalries or whatever, right? Listen, I agree, I agree with you to a certain extent, but you just have you just have to face the writing on the wall, man. That, 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 that era of college athletics seems to be pretty much gone, and it's probably not going to come back either. Yeah, it's, it's no longer about – the rivalries and the tradition and everything. It always, um, like there used to be the the old ESPN commercials. I actually was looking at one earlier, and it, you know, it would, they'd have like the tradition and then the passion, the right? The passion, yeah, like all those words, all those words. And you, you see like the old college football video games, like as you're doing the load in screen, it's the yeah. same words, right? Tradition, passion, and whatever other other word you can think of. 
it would it would be pretty true if like at this point instead of being like that on the commercials they would start having like the word pop up like it shows somebody throwing a touchdown pass and then the word pops up and it's like money (laughs) you know and it's not about like tv deals yeah you're right tv deals like i don't know conference networks stuff like that right um it's just i i still do have the worry that this is all about short-term money and it's going to hurt the long-term gain because without those rivalries and the passion side of things and the tradition side of things, which like if you're just comparing the product, like the NFL has better players, better athletes than college. And if you're going to go to that model, but be of a worse version of it, then you're essentially like the USFL at that point. And it is different because you still do have the alumni factor in everything. You still do have the student and school traditions. So it'll always be different because of the history and everything. But I still do worry that the the short term is overweighing the long term here. But maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe, you know, going back to what we talked about yesterday, there's going to be a breakaway from the NCAA and all this stuff is going to kind of, um, I don't know, it won't we'll have something much, totally right? new then. At exactly. That point too. Yep. Exactly. It'll all be one league. It'll all be instead of every conference negotiating for themselves, it'll be like the NFL where they don't negotiate the AFC West versus the NFC West. It's just. The NFL. They all negotiate for themselves. He is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Michael Swain joins us in 15 minutes. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Joined now by Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports, Fog.net, on the show here. I did want to briefly talk Case and Wiseman for just a second, just in terms of the class overall, because... You know, we talked last week, and, and then he committed about an hour after we talked. Um, but how does the class look overall? Like, what is still missing, and where are the areas you think they can still attack in the recruiting game, whether it's the portal or with freshmen for next season? Yeah, I, it's crazy to think that, that was only last week. That feels like a month and a half mm-hmm. ago. Um, I think you look at the class right now, the biggest need is offensive linemen. You look at the roster overall right now, and there's not a ton of scholarship offensive linemen, right? You'd think you'd want to be, you know, north of probably in, in, in the double digits and close to, closer to maybe even 15, 20, and they're just not there right now. So I look at offensive line both in the high school ranks and the portal. Like, I think regardless of what happens at the high school front, they're going to have to go to the portal to get an offensive tackle because you lose a robotic. Great, you have Cowboy, but you look at someone like Pooney or Dre Warren. Both of those guys are interior guys, it seems like, more and more. So you're really going to need a a tackle in the portal. And then high school-wise, you probably want to get a tackle and then try and get yourself maybe an interior guard as well. So I think you're looking at the staff is not going to turn down good offensive linemen that want to come to KU. They'll make space and they'll figure out ways to do it. But I think in terms of the needs and checking boxes, it's going to be a tackle in the portal that can plug and play. And then the high school front getting at least one tackle and one interior lineman. I had someone ask me a question for my KU mailbag yesterday, like what freshman do you think can make the biggest impact? And I was I was going through the roster. I think it's a little easier if you look at redshirt freshmen, and I don't know if that was the, the mm. idea of the question there because there are certain guys that could jump up. Like, you know, we heard a lot about Tanaka Scott yesterday, and, and there are some others as well. But when you look at the true freshman class, do you see any of them making an impact? In, like, are, are those linemen to that point, like uh, Gilbertson and Baker, are those the guys that, that – might have a chance at doing something but even then even is that something that's more of a future piece well i guess it maybe depends on what your view of making impact is i think james livingston like i think 
maybe even both Joey Baker and James Livingston could make the two deep just because that's how thin things are at the offensive line right now. And so I think that could they be special teams guys on the field goal unit maybe? Um, yeah, I think those two could kind of play their way into a role there just because, again, KU needs offensive linemen that are competent. And right now it seems like both of them have come in and really hit the ground running. And I think you look at someone like Baker, right, comes from a really successful program, has kind of the, the mental side of things down. And someone like James Livingston, too, is pushing 300 pounds as a six foot seven tackle. So he's got the frame. It's just going to be a question of how much stronger can he get over the course of his time at KU. So those are two. I think Brian Dilworth, too, maybe for me, is going to be one that maybe he's a special teams guy. As a true freshman, uh, I'm not too sure if you want to throw him into the fire at corner, considering the, the kind of the more experienced depth you have with someone like Monty McCary there. But I think those are probably the three that I would look at. But you look at overall the depth and competitive depth on the roster right now, and it puts you in a position where you don't have to play freshman, which I think is really, really good for KU and something that you want to be doing. Camp battles continue on as we get ready for the start of the upcoming season here. As things have progressed along the way, like obviously there were you know certain battles we thought about before camp started, and, and now maybe there's some other ones, whether it's guys emerging or maybe it feels like certain spots are, are maybe more locked in than, than we might have thought to begin with. Uh, what sticks out to you right now with, with camp battles on, on the offensive side of the ball? On the offensive side, I think for me it's still tight end. Like, And maybe some of this stuff won't even be decided when they release the depth chart. I'm just so curious to see how Andy Kordonecki uses these guys because there are so many different players with so many different skill sets, right? You've got Tavita Noah, who's a really good run blocker. You know, he seems like he's going to be one of those guys that when KU wants to run the ball and run the outside zone stuff, that he's going to be out there. But You've got someone like Will Huggins and Trevor Cardell who are really good pass catchers, and Cardell played a bunch last year. And then Mason Fairchild there, too. He's talked about how he's really worked to improve his run blocking, which was pretty poor at times last year. So there's a lot of players, and of course I didn't even mention Jared Casey there, who's an all-around threat. So I'm so curious to see, A, how they line him up on the depth chart. You know, I think Trevor Cardell and Mason Fairchild will be probably the top two on that list, but how are they used? week in and week out, and how much versatility do they offer? And I think at wide receiver, I look at kind of how does the, the second unit shake out. Because I think right now you can kind of expect, I think they're going to go with the experienced guys early in the season, right? Your Lawrence Arnold, your Luke Grimms, your Trevor Wilson, guys like that. But you mentioned Tanaka Scott. Like, can he make a push for some playing time? Can Douglas Amelian continue to adapt to this scheme and make an impact early in the year and so I think for me it's almost that second group of wide receivers and then how the tight ends shake out is being those offensive position groups that I'm really fascinated with. Yeah I was certainly interested in in hearing Douglas Emelian yesterday that he's mostly playing as, as kind of that inside guy and, and maybe that puts him in that direct competition with Luke Grimm as opposed to being and obviously they're playing multiple positions, but maybe uh, a little over Lawrence Arnold. Here's a fun little hypothetical for you. If you could combine two players from the same position group and, and you know mix match them frankenstein them any way you want um on the team to make the most perfect player you could i'll give you my answer it's jared casey and will huggins right you combine jared casey and give him the body of will huggins i don't know he might be the best player on the team uh give me a frankenstein comp- uh i guess uh put together between two players at the same position no you're wrong because if you put douglas Emilian <laughs> and lawrence arnold together you're gonna get okay. And then it's all Hall of Famer. Um, that's like 
you have a six foot four guy who can jump, has a, the vertical that Lawrence Arnold does. Yeah, then you give him the route running ability and the athleticism and the smoothness of the way that he moves in Douglas Amelian, and you have yourself a one of the greatest NFL wide receivers of all time because people do not move like Douglas Amelian, right? You just watch him do these drills, and it's super impressive. And then you've got the athletic leaping ability, the length, the the size of someone like Lawrence Arnold, and I just think that type of player will be so dominant at the college level and I'm being a little sarcastic saying NFL Hall of Famer but <laughs> I think that you look at that and that's just all the makings of someone like a Julio Jones at the college level mm. yeah yeah that would be a, a lot of fun and, and helpful for KU as well okay so let's go over to the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball uh, camp battles there obviously linebacker has been the one that has been you know interesting kind of this whole way through it, it seemed like I don't know Michael Lee Jeremy Robinson like that seems to be kind of a, a popular camp battle on one of the ed positions, you have the D tackle spots. You have really everybody outside of Kenny Logan in the secondary. I think <laughs> there are certain guys you can say, yeah, they're going to play a big role in everything. But uh, what intrigues you most for camp battles on the defensive side of the ball right now? Yeah, I think linebacker is probably one of them. Just because, and the reason I come to that is a lot of the stuff you mentioned there, right? Malcolm Lee and Jeremy Robinson, the way that Taiwan Otoyu framed it, it's. That's a 1A and 1B. That's not really a battle. That's both of those dudes are going to play a bunch of football this year. Like, And it's going to be uh, who is healthy and who's kind of the hot hand at the time that plays. I think defensive tackle, you'd like to say that's a battle, but they're going to go six deep at times. And I think that that's super interesting in terms of the, the rotations and how they do that. And then, you know, Lonnie Phelps is going to start one of the end positions. And then maybe Romello Dotson, Jacoby Bryant being a battle I'm interested in, but I just think it all comes back to that linebacker room. You've got six guys fighting for three starting spots, and I think the starting group you see week one is not going to be the starting group you see week 10 because I think Lorenzo McCaskill is the type of guy that isn't going to start the year as a starter just coming in so late and really having to kind of adapt and figure out right the ins and outs of the scheme and the positions and all that, but I think by the time he gets to midseason, he's going to be so talented and so physically dominant that you need him on the field. And I think you look at the, the second string there, right? I think Eric Gilliard will probably be the back of it, Mike, with Rich Miller starting. And then at Hawk, it's going to be Craig Young starting. And is it Gavin Potter maybe that's the, the backup there? And then the Will linebacker spot, that's going to be Tylen Berryhill. And then Lawrence McCaskill probably there as well. So, I mean, you're just looking at that group, and it's so interesting. You see that compared to – the two deep you look at last year, you're kind of scratching your head like, all right, you've got kind of like one guy here that you feel really good about, Rich Miller, and outside of that, you're kind of scratching your head. And I think it's a huge credit to someone like Tylen Berryhill and the and the improvement he's done, right? He was tabbed as kind of the most improved linebacker by Chris Simpson. Um, and I think it's just another example of something I wrote about on the website is like the competitive depth on the roster now. You know, you bring in five new linebackers, and yet the guy that is making a lot of noise in camp is a returning player. And I think that's a result of, I think, the coaching and getting players to be better, but also I think the players really embracing the competition and not really shying away from, oh, man, they brought in five new players. I must not be very good. No, it's kind of the other way around where they brought in five new players. Well, guess what? I have five new players I have to go try and beat out. So I think just the mindset of that linebacker room is super interesting. And I, I don't know, maybe Taiwan Berryhill is your answer here, but if I asked you to pick someone who was on last year's team and either played sparingly or didn't really play at all, like you could have a redshirt candidate, you could have a guy who was injured, um, you know, whether it's Daniel Highshaw, Tanaka Scott taking a redshirt, I, I guess Armaje Reed Adams played sparingly, mm-hmm. I would I would give you that on, on that one, Taiwan Berryhill. Uh, who would be your pick for someone like that who was on the team last year 
but didn't get a lot of run that you think could break out to some level this season? Yeah, I, I think I have to go with Daniel Hyshaw. Um, and the reason I say that is because I look at someone like Barry Hill, and I think he's going to be really good this year. And the thing that's so exciting about Barry Hill is he's got three years left this year and two more. So he'll be around for a long time. But I just think Daniel Hyshaw, he's someone that you look at physically, he's different than the other running backs that KU has, right? You look at his size, and they're literally bulging out of the shorts that he wears at practice. And, like, he's just a physically imposing running back, but he's more than just a bulldozer. And by all accounts, he's been the second-best running back at, at camp so far. So I think overall, he's got to be my guy. And the amount that KU's going to try and run the ball, I think, um, throughout the season, you're going to need multiple bodies. And there will be times when Kai Thomas and Devin Neal aren't as sharp or maybe a little bit banged up. And then you've got someone like Daniel Hyshaw who can come in and, you know, other teams and other fan bases are going to be like, who the heck is this guy? I thought they had three former four stars. And it's like, well, this is the guy that put in the work over the off season and has come off the injury looking incredible. And really the buzz on him goes back to the spring because by all accounts, you know, he found his sea legs there first couple weeks of spring. And by the end of it, he was really standing out to people. So I think Daniel Hyshaw, if you're talking about guys that are really trending up, he's got to be up there. We're talking with Michael Swain of Fog.net and 24-7 Sports here. I've got some uh, either-ors for you here. Okay, so obviously the, the KU-Duke game is, I would say, the biggest uh, close-to-a-coin-flip game that needs to go KU's way if they want to reach up to, to possibly four wins or something like that. So that's obviously a very big one for KU. So all these questions are going to revolve around that. Better chance to beat Duke. KU football in Week 3. Or, or, or actually, no, I'm sorry, week four. KU football in week four or KU basketball in the Champions Classic? Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> That's tough. Oh, no. <laughs> My brain. Um, yeah, oh, man. Give me I, uh, Give me KU football. Let, let's do it. I, I just, Champions Classic games, you just never know. And I look at, I look at the two teams in, that, in the football game, Everything that KU had against it last year, first-year coach, new scheme, new quarterback, it's kind of all those things that Duke kind of has going against it this year, right? New head coach, new scheme, new quarterback, some turnover in terms of the roster, really trying to establish yourself. Now, granted, they had a spring, right? They had a full offseason unlike KU uh, last year, but, you know, I think KU wins that, and I just – the Champions Classic games, I just don't know. Like, are the Duke's five stars going to come out and be awesome or – and is it going to take some time for the KU team to gel? Like, I don't know. I'll take Duke, and I'll go on a bit of a limb here. Okay. Um, let's see. More points against Duke this year. Whoever KU's kicker is or Dewan Harris? Three. Give me Dewan Harris. Okay. Give me Dewan, though. I think that – I think overall he's going to have a really good year. Um, and I also am just going to bet on not a lot of field goals for KU in that game. Yeah, I, I think they'd have to get – I was trying to think about this in my head, and it was like if KU scored 38 on Duke, which that is a, a high number to expect, but also Duke's defense was really bad last year. You know, that'd be, what, five PATs and a field goal? That'd be eight. I don't know. You can see Dewan scoring eight. That, that might make it close. I, I think there's a higher floor on the kicker one there, but we've seen Dewan have, have double-digit scoring games, so I think I'd go Dewan as well. Uh, last one, more points by Kansas against Duke in football. Or KU basketball in the first half against Duke? Oh, those 
Champions Classic games are ugly. That's that's my first. You say that, and that's my first reaction. Those games are ugly. <laughs> so, give me K football. I think they'll score thirty something, and I think that we could see a, a pretty bad half of basketball. And I also think that KU defensively this year is going to be really good. And so, it wouldn't surprise me if that game turns out to be one of those that gets kind of slogged in the mud just as a result of KU playing defense and forcing things to be hard and the game slows down. So I'll take KU football. I feel like I'm riding KU football a lot here. Yeah, you are. I don't know if this is just the optimism of football season starting and, and you can feel that in the air. Or I don't know. Maybe that's a good sign for the football team. Yeah, I, I don't think just the Duke game is the one positive one where you can be like, positive vibes for this game. Okay, so the it's just more, it's more negative vibes for, for Duke. Yeah, how about that? It's just I, I'm selling I'm selling any sort of stock. I don't even think I bought stock mm. in Duke football, but if I had stock, I'd sell it. Okay, Michael, I appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, have a good weekend. Definitely, thanks, Derek. Always enjoy it. That was Michael Swain. Check out all his work at Fog.net. You can subscribe there as well and through Twenty Four Seven Sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Lie detector test next. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got a couple editions of RCST Trivia coming at you in just a little bit from right now. But first, we've got to get to our lie detector test here on a Thursday. We also have uh, some more KU football audio to get to you in the five o'clock hour and a new segment coming up in the five o'clock hour. So stick around for that on today's show. Like I said, though, lie detector test first up. Florida Gulf Coast University president Mike Martin told the school's student newspaper that he believes the automatic bid process for the NCAA tournament will go away. Um, Here's the full quote. March Madness will become much more controlled by a handful of schools and automatic qualifiers that we now get from being in the A-Sun will disappear. So this seems to... like. I guess carry on with with something that uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said, I think it was like a week ago, about wanting to possibly expand the NCAA tournament. And I think those things are related in that basically the end goal there is to get more of the Power 5 schools in it because the conferences and the schools make more money. You get like shares. For every school that makes the tournament, you get money. For every, uh, you know, first round win, second round win, so forth, the conference makes extra money depending how many teams from that conference go on. So, of course, the conferences like the SEC who, you know, if if you expand the tournament and you add 32 teams, a majority of them are going to be Power 5 schools, right? They're going to be those bubble schools from the Power 5. There will be some other ones, but 
They want the extra money. They want the extra power. And I don't know. It, that's been something that's been talked about, this idea that the SEC, the Big Ten, or some of these Power Five schools would just kind of secede away from the rest of college basketball. That would be such a shame if this turned into something where we no longer had Cinderella's in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I feel like changing the NCAA tournament would be really terrible, right? A really terrible thing. I think most fans would probably draw the line at making major changes to the NCAA tournament, right? Like, every year, what is typically the most public-inspiring or eye-popping stories? It's always it's always the Cinderella's. Yeah. It's St. rarely Peter's making the elite. Exactly. It's rarely ever, you know... Purdue going to the Elite Eight or whatever, right? It's never it's never the runs by the big schools. It's every year. It's always the smaller schools that make runs that capture the public's attention. Loyola Marymount is a great example. I mean, there's so many different schools you could go off each year where they are the ones that capture the public's eye, and that's their only opportunity to be in the national spotlight, right? So I totally understand where, where Florida Gulf Coast president Mike Martin is coming from. I don't – I mean, yeah, I don't know if – these power five conferences would have just the the blatant disregard for everything else to make a move like this i mean this is again i think you're talking about something pretty serious i know we just talked about in the in the last hour about tradition and whatnot but for the ncaa basketball tournament that definitely means something to a lot of people yeah i would be one more thing also yeah bubble schools just get better just just get better (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I don't need to see it expanded or anything like that. I would be very bummed if, if they took this out. It would just get rid of the whole purpose of everything. Just, I don't know. It, it would kind of ruin a lot of it, to be completely honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think from a Kansas perspective, it probably wouldn't ruin a lot because you'd still be competing for a title every year. But, like, if, you, if you're someone who's not a huge college basketball fan or you're just, like, in that office pool every year or you don't have really a college basketball team you root for, you just like the tournament. That's what you're you're cheering for. You you like seeing that, and I think you would lose that big portion of the fan base. So um, I, I guess it's part of the lie detector test thing, circling this back up. Do you think he is – I guess it's not him that's lying because, I don't know, it, it might I'm, just be pandering I, I, in some way. Yeah, I, I think he's lying. Okay. I don't think this is. I don't think anything is going to happen. Major. So you think this is him just kind of pandering? I think, I think this is him just trying to trying drum to up power. Yeah, trying okay. to drum up like, hey, watch out. You know, I think right now he's lying. Okay. Or yeah, at least I, ex- extending the truth on some of these other stuff. I kind of agree with you. I, I'm sure there's been like I don't know brief conversations that that you have in these smaller conferences. Like, imagine if this ever happened, right? I, I feel like this is more of a yeah. Let's let's get a warning out to the public and try to get some people on our side. <laughs> Next one from Robert Sala on Joe Flacco, who is the backup, possibly the starter, because Zach Wilson is injured, at least to begin the season. Joe's a pro. He's been there. He's done that. He's been a Super Bowl MVP, a world champion. He's gotten the big contracts. He checks about all the boxes you can check. I think he's going to be fine, especially for the remainder of the preseason. So specifically that last last quote is Robert Sala lying. I think he's going to be fine. Um, no, I think he's. I think he's telling the truth. I think, I think Joe Flacco is going to be fine. I mean, everything he said there is. If we're going strictly, he did detector, take a pretty measured approach. Everything he said there is true. Yeah. Everything he said there is true. He is. He he's is a, a world champion. He's a pro. He is a Super Bowl MVP. He has been there. He has he's, done that. He has been there. There you go. So I, I think this is all. I, think this I love is all that he the included. Truth. He's gotten the big contracts. You know. I will I, say though, it, it is very funny every time. I mean, this this happens in various other American sports where. Football, in the way that Americans play it, it's only played in the United States this way. 
So when you say you're a world champion, nobody else is playing foot American football anywhere else, no. right? I mean, I guess the CFL technically, but like, okay, cool. You're world like, all right. Well, I mean, I guess, hey, if you don't try it something, then um, how can you be the best at it? So I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think he's telling the truth, though. I mean, this is all facts. This is all facts. He's yeah. perfectly fine. I guess he's... Uh, that's my favorite part. Especially for the <laughs> remainder of the preseason. Like, does he think that maybe because he's old, he's going to, like, break down in the preseason I don't know. or something? I don't know. <laughs> like, he's going to torch these second-string defenses. You just wait. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's being honest. But, you know, I, I think he's being honest to himself. But if I'm sitting here being honest, do I even think Joe Flacco will be fine? Like, cause fine to me implies. I guess it has. I guess it depends on how you define. That's the thing, right? Fine. What What if, is your definition of fine? If you were to, if my wife were to say it's fine, I would know to go into immediate panic. And yeah, that, that's that'd be bad. Everything is not fine, right? <laughs> and if that's the type of fine that he's referring to, then that means Joe Flacco is going to be an abject disaster. But if it's the fine that I consider fine, which is like you know, it's like average. It's fine. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he's a league average quarterback. He's no. If he's the starting quarterback in week one. If he was the league average quarterback, he would be starting. Exactly. He's what? Bottom three starting quarterback in week one? Uh, Bottom five, probably, at least. I mean, you'd have to think about the list more like in depth to actually put put it together. But just off the top of my head, I'm having trouble coming up with anyone who's supposed to be a starting quarterback. Like maybe Marcus Mariota is worse. But I think our our next lie detector one I would put in there. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to that one. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I don't think we're uh, we're both on the same page. He's not lying. The next one is Brian Dable. Uh, he is the head coach now, former offensive coordinator from Buffalo. Goes over, takes the New York Giants job. This is him on Daniel Jones for sure being the starter. So this is the guy you're talking about, Daniel Jones. Yeah, he'll get as we get going here in terms of preseason games. We'll talk about whatever we think is best. But I have full confidence in Daniel, and I have full confidence in Tarod in what his role is. Speaking of Terod Taylor, each day we sit there and evaluate the guys, but will he get a few reps here or there? He might. So this is basically him dispelling the idea of Terod Taylor possibly being the starter. Yet at the same point in time, he's like, yeah, he might get a few first string reps. And (laughs) I have full confidence in in Daniel Jones. Do you believe him? You know what? I'm going to believe him. I'm going to believe him. I think think they've, at this point... The Giants have spent so much time with Daniel Jones that the only logical thing to do here is to just go down with the ship. Just go all in, Daniel Jones all the way, baby. Let's go, Daniel Jones. And I think he, I think he's telling the truth. Daniel Jones, day one. Here we go. Let's go. We're riding Daniel. But see, the part where he's like, I have uh, that, you know, Terod might get a few reps here or there. If you had full confidence in Daniel Jones, why is he seceding any every first every, reps? every quarterback gets a Do few they? reps here and there? Yeah, I, for I sure. don't know. Is that true? Like, does Patrick Mahomes well, give I mean, up <laughs> first team reps to Chad Henne? <laughs> well, I mean, every every team that has bad quarterbacks. Okay. Well, but, uh, see, you just answered their question there. Uh, Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback. So how could you have full confidence in a bad quarterback? I think I think this is him making the best out of a bad situation. Right, he gets to the Giants. They don't have any good quarterbacks. They're in the contract year for Daniel Jones. So, like, this is the make-or-break year. They didn't draft okay, the quarterback well, there you in the go. There's, there's another point for Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. It's his contract year. Put him out there. Let him perform to whatever he oh. – right? It's so his that's contract the positive year. For him. You have to play him. 
<laughs> it's like, oh, he's so bad. But we yeah, because, have to yeah, play. because no, because if, if it's his contract year and you play him and he sucks, then you're off the hook. Yeah, you're yeah. done. You can move on. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what the plan is. To be honest, it's like you know we'll play him. If something happens out of the blue and he has like a Josh Allen ascension and what Allen did all of a sudden in year three, and I think this is year four for Jones, it's a little different, but then you're great. It's, you know, we, we found the quarterback. If not, then yeah, like you said, you're you're in the quarterback market. You're either signing someone, you're trading for someone, you're drafting someone. Maybe you're doing a little from A, a little from B. Uh, but no, I do not believe him. The fact that he is <laughs> saying that all about Terod Taylor. Also, the other part of this, I have full confidence in Terod Taylor. I don't buy that either. I mean, if he's your starting quarterback, I, I guess he hey, says in what his role is. So. Tyrod Taylor, has, as a starting quarterback, has not been bad at the various places yeah, he's been. I and, I mean, he would have probably continued to be the starter at, uh, with the Chargers mm-hmm. if it hadn't for the, yeah. the fact that they almost tried to kill him. See, Tyrod Taylor is what Robert Sala said to me. He's fine. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- He's definitely more fine than Joe Flacco. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. But see, I guess uh, full confidence versus fine. There's a jump to me, so the syntax there, I guess, matters. Okay, this next one. We have a lot of uh, football coaches on here. They're all just liars, I guess. Steve Sarkeesian. Coach speak. Yeah. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas head coach. Quote, this was talking about um, last year and kind of headed into this year, some differences. The kids knew not everybody in that locker room was all in last year. I think they could feel it, and they wanted to weed out some of the warts, some of the bad apples. I think they got a sense of reality about some of the things we were talking about and trying to instill last offseason. I don't know how much they gave credence to it, and then and then those same things reared their ugly head in season. They came back in January with this mindset of, we've got to take these things to heart because they will show up again. They've made that investment and bought into every aspect of it, and you can feel it amongst our team. So... Uh, specifically what I'm talking about here is he's basically saying things are different now. People are buying in. You can feel it amongst the team. Basically, this is a roundabout long way of him <laughs> saying last year we weren't good enough. This year, Texas is back. Okay. Are you buying it? <laughs> I, have, I have a question for you. Okay. Whose responsibility is it, do you believe, for the kit, for the players in the locker room to be quote-unquote all in? Would you say it's the it's the coach's responsibility? Yeah, that right? seems like it, yeah. So the first part of this, he's telling on himself. Mm-hmm. He's saying they weren't all bought in. Well, whose fault is that, Steve? <laughs> whose fault is that, okay? So he's definitely telling the truth to start off with. He, he's telling on himself, though, for sure, right? And then beyond that, you're right. You get to the whole point of every year it's Texas is back. But every year it's the same story. They always have great talent, and they never nothing ever happens with them. So – I'm buying this first sentence for sure. I'm, I'm saying he's telling the truth for the first part. The rest of it, yeah, I don't know. But again, he, he's it's whose fault is it, Steve? If they're not yeah. all bought in. Yeah. That is uh, part of the head coach's position. So, I don't know. If you're taking it on a whole where it basically is saying, like, they are going to be a lot better this year and they are going to be back. I mean, yes, they should be better. They went 5-7 and seven last year. They have a lot of talent on the roster. They have... Maybe the most talented running back in the country in Bijan Robinson. They have all these five-star quarterbacks and, and receivers and everything. So, yes, they should be better. But if I'm taking this as Texas is back, again, that gets into like the fine conversation where it's yeah. what do you consider back? Is them getting to nine and three? Would that be back? Do they Texas have to- is back. Texas's version of back. If yes, a Texas fan, it would be national championship, right? right. So and I don't. That's are, they, are they that back? Place. Probably not. No, so I don't believe him. But, yeah, I, I do believe what he's saying here. I do believe this idea that, you know, 
there were kids in the locker room who had to be kind of weeded out. I remember there was that um, one guy who they're getting like chewed out on the, I think it was the team bus, and he's like just taking a video of it. Oh, yeah. He's like screamed at by the coach. Like, that's something that doesn't happen to a non defunct locker room yeah. or team. You don't so, let that kind of stuff get out yeah. in public. Yeah. And so I guess it does take some time, but you would like that weeding out to happen a little earlier in the season than when it did. Um, are you buying Texas? You think they're going to be good this year? Uh, good-ish. I don't know, man. It's so hard to tell. I mean, what's your Big Twelve championship pick? Ooh, um, Oklahoma State, I guess, would be. <laughs> There's no I easy mean, answer. Ba- I open. mean, Baylor. I mean, Oklahoma, I guess. But how good are they going to be? I, I don't know. That is it. That is. It's a, it's a tough question because there's a lot of uncertainty around the Big 12. I'm fading Baylor. I'm I'm going OU over Texas right now, which is not fun. It's not a – I don't know. I, I think whoever finishes second, it's going to be like three, eight, and four teams are tied. And maybe that gets you there. Okay, uh, last one in lie detector test. Mike McDaniel, the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, comes over after being the offensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. He uh, said – well, you know what? I don't even want to spoil this. This is what he said about Tua Tungavailoa's uh, basically passing and, and the way he throws the ball. By the and, way, this was on the uh, Dan Levitard show. And when he throws the ball, every lefty I've ever been with, the ball kind of tails like this. I don't know why. It's something with science that I don't, I don't try mm-hmm. to digest. His does it. It's the most accurate, catchable ball I've ever seen. So for me, in the way I've learned football and some of the stuff that we got really good at in San Francisco was yards after the catch and and all of those things, um, which is maximized by ball placement on these things. The most accurate catchable ball you've ever seen. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, so a couple of things to break down there. First, you have him saying the most accurate catchable ball you've ever seen which is a very weird way of putting it yeah i don't even really know what that means i was thinking i guess he's saying Tua throws soft yeah, so right? it's easier to catch it's very for, catchable like easier to catch for receivers yeah. my six-year-old daughter could go out there and catch it it's, <laughs> it's so catchable like that's that's that is that's the only way i could envision it uh-huh. how he's what that means i guess yeah so i i don't totally know what that means but <laughs> um then you get to the part where and he just dropped that in kind of on his own, which again, like lie detector test to that. I mean, it could be true. I don't know his total coaching background. I don't know every stop he's been on. If you're comparing Tua's accuracy to Jimmy Garoppolo's, I, I guess I could see it. Like maybe Tua's more accurate, maybe Jimmy G's better at like I don't yeah. know, maybe has a stronger arm or maybe is better at processing the game, maybe Tua's more accurate. I, I don't know. I could see like that happening if that's just the comparison there. Um but the way that he answers this again at the end. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, we did not add in that pause. on the No, rhythm. yeah, that's that's completely <laughs> unedited. No. So, like, if you truly believed it, <laughs> would you just be like, I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't exactly inspire a lot of faith or confidence at, at, at the end there. So, I mean, if you're looking at it strictly from that standpoint, I think you have to press X to doubt Say that's a lie. Yeah, I think that has to be a lie, right? Again, I don't know his his total quarterback background. 
I, I think what he realized when, when he was answering that was that, shoot. Was man, that a slip-up, you think? Well, no. What if, what if like, in his mind, he was like, man, he's the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen. He's like, okay. I need to coach a better quarterback. <laughs> I need to find <laughs> someone else out there. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Hey, who knows? Maybe maybe him and Tyreek Hill, maybe they're yeah. on to something. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is just the latest in what has now become an ongoing saga of people – both inside and outside of the Dolphins organization, just hyping up Tua to ridiculous amounts, mm -hmm. right? So at this point, Tua needs to be a top 10 quarterback, I think, this year, really, to 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 achieve, to relieve some of that pressure, I guess, because it, it has been pretty incredible to see how consistently and how frequently various people have been gassing up Tua as being a great quarterback. I mean, it starts with, it start, it starts with Tyreek when he got traded there. Which, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, I don't know how much you want to buy that aspect of it. But it, it goes beyond Tyreek. I mean, there's been plenty of people. Mike McDaniel added to the list. I mean, there's a lot of people that clearly believe that Tua is a good quarterback. And he's going to have to put his money where his mouth is, I guess, this season. Yeah. And you have all those weapons invested around you. There's no reason you shouldn't put up good numbers. So, a lot of pressure on him. But if he throws the most accurate, catchable ball that you know, uh, a head coach has ever seen, then I guess he's on the right way. But yeah, uh, I think that is either a lie or it's just brash and stupid. One of the two. <laughs> he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got a couple editions of RCST Trivia coming up next. This is RCST. Thursday division today here for RCST Trivia. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, as well as Johnny's Tavern. And we have a matchup between two top 10 teams, two top eight teams. Nick Duncan is ranked eighth in the latest trivia top 10. He's gone 2-0 with 33 points scored. And Ben Wilson, who has gone 2-0 with 40 points scored, including one perfect he is uh, ranked fourth here with the undefeated record. Ben is also fifth in the Heisman voting done by Scott Chasen at the moment. Um, but Nick has the big opportunity here to clinch the division because currently in the Thursday division, we've got three teams who are kind of in a, a three-team race here between you two, and then Michael Plank is sitting at two and one. He's on a bye this week, but the one loss for Michael came from Nick Duncan. So, if Nick gets the win, he would be giving a loss to both Ben and Nick. He would be guaranteed three wins. He would have the head-to-head -head over both of you. So, Ben, you got to win this for not just a chance to move into first in the division and, and kind of hold the stranglehold there, although you play Michael next week, so that would give the opportunity for a possible three-way tie. It could get all sticky. But uh, for you, Nick, with the chance to, to clinch the division, I know I, I mentioned that before we started recording here, and uh, you weren't happy I told you that. You, you didn't want the extra pressure. So, uh uh, thoughts on your trivia competition so far and your next couple of matchups here? Yeah, I got two weeks left, so can't can't look ahead too much. But I I might have known that that a win today would. But hey, I'm the lower I'm the lower seeded team, so pressure's not on me. I like that turning it around, making Ben the favorite here again. He is the higher ranked team. He is he is number four. So. Uh, uh, I guess the odds makers at, at DraftKings use code KLWN for from free bets. I don't know if they've put the lines up for it. In fact, uh, I don't believe they have, but I don't know. Uh, I think Ben might be favored by by a few points here. Ben, uh, you've started off so strong. You've only missed one question. It was a really hard question, but you're 7 of 8 
on questions. You have the one perfect score. Have you done anything extra to get ready for this monumental matchup here? Not this week. I did look and I saw that Nick was two now, so I knew it would be a big matchup. I didn't realize that he'd also be like the guy in third. So that just makes even more more pressure on me to make sure I keep showing up how I did the first two weeks. Mm. Yeah, it does. Well, um, I guess with uh, both you guys being in the top 10, I don't know. I, I guess I'll give the coin toss here to uh, Nick. You, you're ranked a little bit lower. So uh, would you like to do heads or tails? Let's go with tails. Okay. Tails never fails, except a lot of the times here, but it is tails. It has not failed. So, Nick, you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Go second. All right. Second it is. That means, Ben, you are up first. We have four rounds of questions. We'll start in the easy round. This is our first quarter of play, and these are worth three points for you, Ben. What former KU running back was nicknamed the Kansas Comet? Gale Sayers. That's right. Gale Sayers, all-time legend, now has a statue out front over KU football's facilities. Okay, Nick, for you, your first one for three points in the tie at the end of the first quarter. What former running back was nicknamed both Diesel and was nicknamed Rigo? John Riggins. Yeah, I love Diesel. That's that's a great nickname. That's a very power yeah. running back. 3-3 three, three, the score. We are headed into the second quarter of this top 10 matchup and back to you ben it goes into the medium round of questions these are worth six points ben playing from 2003 to 2006 this kansas quarterback wore the number seven and amassed over 3,000 career passing yards what's his name making adam barman it is adam barman correct answer there I got to meet Adam doing a, uh, a function at Free State a couple years ago. Great storyteller. Funny guy. Okay, Nick, this for you in the medium round. Worth six points as well to try to tie it at halftime. In KU's 2010 win, 2010, I should clarify, over 15th-ranked Georgia Tech, what quarterback led the Jayhawks with three passing touchdowns? Not uh, not an era of Kansas football I'm real strong at there. Um, can you repeat that again? Yeah. Um, what KU quarterback threw three touchdowns in their win over Georgia Tech, who was 15th ranked in 2010, and you got about five seconds? Two. Throw someone out there. Oh! All right. The correct answer is Jordan Webb. Mm. Is that one that once you heard it, it now rings a bell or not really? Of course. Okay. All right. So, Ben, you've got a 9-3 to lead and a chance to hit a big one right here if you can nail this one for seven in the third quarter. Ben, who was KU's football coach in 1920 when they went 5-2-1? and one? Hmm. Uh, let's try Fog Allen. <laughs> that was just a complete guess, wasn't it? Yeah. That is the correct answer. Fog Allen is right. Uh, that's a big seven points for you, Ben. 
So you got a 16 to three lead. So Nick, you got to answer this question to uh, possibly stay alive here for this matchup. All right, Nick, Terry Allen was let go after three games or with three games left in the 2001 season. So Terry Allen was let go with three games to go in the 2001 season. What head coach took over as the interim head coach going one and two in the process? Ten seconds. Yeah, I still don't don't even have a guess. Coaching ones are bad for me. Oh! All right, two time expirations. The correct answer is Tom Hayes. Mm. All right, so Ben, you have clinched the victory. You have avoided Nick clinching the division. You still got work to do because you have your matchup next week, but it would certainly help you. Because if they're if you do you know lose next week to Michael and Nick wins next week and it's a three way tie for uh, uh, first place or something although I don't even think that yeah. can happen because I, I guess my, I don't know yeah I guess it could uh, you want the points tiebreaker on your side so this is a big one also mentioned your fifth in the Heisman Trophy really hard <laughs> would uh, certainly help you here and it would be your second perfect which I don't think anybody has two of those yet okay Ben what past KU football head coach came to Lawrence with only high school head coaching experience. David Beatty was high school head coach. So I'll go with David Beatty. That's not a bad guess. He did, though, have college coaching experience. In oh, okay. Of, I, 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 get, I get what you were saying with the yeah. question. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the correct answer is Chuck Mather. Chuck Mather. These are uh, some David Lawrence specials on these questions. So if you, you think these are too hard, take it up with DL. Okay, Nick, this one for you to get a big A points because this would help you as well in terms of Heisman race and uh, that point tiebreaker. Nick, what past KU head coach had a son who was a top receiving target for Joe Namath and the New York Jets? <laughs> no idea. I'll just say Fambro. Mm. Not bad, because that was David Lawrence's uh, head coach. The correct answer is George Sauer. Sire, however it's pronounced. That's the correct answer there. So, uh, Nick, struggled a little more this week. I, I think we might have found your, your Achilles heel. The the past head coaches in, in that kind of early 2010s era. Is that accurate? Definitely. Although although I would have known the Barman one. I did yeah. know that, but I don't know. I, I should have maybe said Webb. I don't know. Well, would you have gotten the answer to uh, either the Fog Allen or the Chuck Mather questions? I, I would have guessed Fog Allen on that coaching one just because that era, that was about the only guess I'd have had. So maybe maybe he, maybe he, I was on the wrong side this time. Maybe he'd have known what questions I got and it wouldn't have mattered. I, who knows? Well, let's figure that out. Ben, would you have known the Jordan Webb answer? I would have. I was a sophomore that year, uh, and I was actually watching that game on a cross-country bus. We just had a duel at Missouri, and so we were all watching the upset on the bus on the on the way home. So I, I, I would have been a, a student athlete with Jordan, so I didn't know that. Okay, what about the Tom Hayes or the George Sauer, Sauer one? Would you have known either? No, not a clue. Okay. No, not at all. 
Maybe the order of the questions did uh, make an impact here. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. But uh, 16 to 3, the final score. Ben, you're victorious. Nick, you still got an opportunity next week. Like I said, you'll be rooting for Michael, but you'll still have a chance to, to try to make it up next week. Ben, you're obviously uh, in the driver's seat now. Uh, you are just one of two, or uh, yeah, one of two undefeated teams at this point in time. So congratulations. Thank you. Feels good. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, good luck uh, the rest of the way and uh, appreciate you being part of this. Thanks, Derek. Thank Thanks, you. Ben. Appreciate it. Good luck. Ben comes out victorious 16-3, to and he remains undefeated at 3-0. and Obviously, Kyle Coffey got to 3-0 and last week. That puts Nick out of the realm of the undefeateds, but that's it. So I guess Kyle Coffey or Ben Wilson, I mean, they were ranked third and fourth anyway, and uh, we had our number uh, two team be on by our number one team lost, so Either way, there's going to be a new number one. I would imagine it'll come from either Ben or Kyle. I don't have the only vote in this thing, so uh, we'll see who gets ranked number one when the new poll comes out either tomorrow or later this weekend. We do have one more trivia matchup for today. It features Doug Crumpton Murray and Hunter Turpin. One of them is going to get their first victory. It's Doug's final regular season matchup, but Doug is currently in second of the Heisman voting. Hunter has a chance with a win to stay alive for a top three spot in the division, which earns you a automatic bid into next year's edition of RCST Trivia. That on the line next. Trivia is brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy, 23rd Street Brewery, and Johnny's Tavern. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Trivia on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, or the KLWN app. We've got our second trivia or supposed to be matchup here um, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. And we're supposed to have Doug Crumpton Murray taking on Hunter Turpin. And uh, Doug currently second in the Heisman. Hunter at 0-2 with 12 points. Doug at 0-3 with 27 points. Hit that really hard question last we heard from you last week. Unfortunately, Hunter, we just heard from like very last minute that he can't make it here. So we had this happen, I think, once or twice during basketball. Basically, all you got to do is you got to answer one correct question to get the win. I'm going to still make you go through all four questions, though, just for the purpose of your total points and for the purpose of see if you can get a really hard question correctly. So, uh, Doug, congratulations potentially on earning this win here. But uh, how's everything going for you before this matchup? Everything's good. Uh, put a little more study time in this week. So feeling OK, you know, again, tough questions this week, man. Um there was there were some tough ones on there, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's been it's been great. Mm -hmm. Well, um, uh, no opponent to stare you down. Does that make it more nerve wracking that you're just competing against yourself, or does it make it a lot more calming here? Just just not having to to see anybody else how they do. I think the only nerve wracking part is the possibility I don't get any questions right, and then it'd be the <laughs> the all time face plan ever. So let's hope that doesn't happen. I, let's hope I get one. Mm, yeah, I guess at that point it'd just be a tie, or, or we go to overtime, or, or something. Maybe I'll have <laughs> my co-host Nick. He'll he'll play against you or something. I don't know. But uh, all right, let's just go ahead and get into the the action here then. So uh, I don't even need to do a coin toss for you. You're just gonna go first, and you're gonna go first um, into the easy round of questions. First quarter. This is worth three points, Doug. How many games did Kansas win in 2009, the final season of Mark Mangino? They won five games. That's right. Started 5-0, and too, and then kind of tanked to the finish line there. Okay, you have three points, so you got the win. Congratulations. There's the win. You're on the board. All right, into the medium round of questions. 
ranking sixth on the all-time KU rushing list, is this pro football Hall of Famer and speedy running back who played from 1962 to 1964. Uh, that would be the Kansas Comet, Gale Sayers. Yep. Great nickname. Gale Sayers the correct answer. He was a stud. All right, you got nine points now. You definitely got the win. And uh, now we'll go into the third quarter play, which is the hard round of everything. Wearing number 84, this KU receiver played from 2001 to 2004 and totaled over 1,600 career receiving yards. Repeat it one more time real quick. I know I'm on the clock. Yeah, I'm wearing sorry. number 84, this KU receiver played from 2001 to 2004 and totaled over 1,600 career receiving yards, and you got about 10 seconds. Ducky. The correct answer is Brandon Rideau. Rideau, I think, is right there. All right. That's all right. You got a chance for the really hard here. And uh, I believe this would be your second hard, really hard hit if you get it, which would tie you for the lead and would certainly help you out in the uh, Heisman race. Okay, Doug. Who scored KU's first touchdown in the 1969 Orange Bowl? To put them ahead 7-0 in the first quarter. Oh, <laughs> just looking at that. Regan seems too obvious for the really hard. Um, let's go Bobby Douglas. Correct answer, and that would have been a good guess there because that was the right timeline and everything, was Mike Reeves. Mike Reeves had the first touchdown there. All right, so you're victorious. I know it didn't end. You wanted to hit that last one to to go out on a bang, but this was senior day for you. It was your last regular season matchup. (laughs) You got a 9-0 victory. Um, This was like playing, you know, an FCS school. Didn't have as much of a worry with the opponent, but but you get the win. So that's got to make you feel good going out on top. You are kind of the uh, arbiter on this. So when I tell people that I got to win, do I have to tell them there was no opponent? Or can I can I just say I got a W? No, you just say you got to win. Yeah, You say it however you want. And if you want to, you know, combine stories, sometimes things get combined, right? You say I got to win and I answered really hard. They don't have to know those are different matchups. Good point. Mm-hmm. I, I was just looking at that bowl game stuff, so that makes me mad because I was right there. But I... That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, but once again, you got the dub, ended up with a uh, victory, and and I know we, we expect to see you in the basketball tournament once that gets to the next uh, spring season. So uh, I guess take me through. You, you obviously went all the way to the grade eight in basketball, um, getting to be a part of this football one. Uh, what are kind of your feel like, what did you like about these two events, and, and what are some of the things that you thought was kind of cool between the uniqueness of the two? I, I mean, speaking to someone who's, from Lawrence, but it hasn't spent a lot of time there. Lived out here in California for for the last 17 years. 
just being around a KU community. You know, it's like I really miss that. People that are really in into the games. I, I've been really impressed with the football contestants. Like, man, how dedicated they are through tough seasons. You know, that's a real fan. And all the guys that have gone to those games. So um, I experienced that when KU's on the road. You know, it doesn't matter where they're playing. You know, K- Kansas fans come out of the woodwork. So uh, just, just being back in that has really been a lot of fun. Um, I like this, <laughs> uh, contrary to the uh, results, I like the football format. I'd almost like to see something like that for the basketball because I think it makes it a little, little more equitable, a little more, you know, the skill comes in. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I thought this format was really good. Yeah, maybe we'll do something with like group play and that'll lead to the the standings or, or the seedings of who makes the NCAA tournament. We'll just do a smaller tournament, but I don't know. Maybe we just leave them different because they're different sports, but uh, we, we have really enjoyed this. And, and Doug, I always love having you on here. It's always fun getting to know you on this and uh, you're always one of my favorite competitors and everything. And it, it was cool. You, you showed me before the matchup, your classroom and everything with, with all your KU garb, KU memorabilia and stuff around the classroom, showing off to all the kids and everything. Um, I'm curious, have you have you created any KU basketball fans and the students that you're teaching? <laughs> Not only have I created a lot, the greatest the greatest moment in teaching was a father shared this with me. It's a very shy girl, no interest in sports, n- didn't play, never watched. He said they're at home. All of a sudden, he, he's about to change the channel. She's like, hey, hey, w- what are you doing? Mr. CM's team is about to play. No, no, she's watching the game like for the first time just to watch the Jayhawks. So that that was mission accomplished right there. So, yes, there's a lot of Jayhawk fans out here now, which which is good. That's great. And uh, I'll just end it with this. You, you showed me a lot of that cool memorabilia. Do you have a favorite? If you could you could only keep one thing in the room, what would it be? I think I have to go with the signed Hall of Fame ball for Lynette Woodard because I, I was there. She's such a great person, a great friend of my family. And, man, that was just a special, special day. So I'd, I'd keep that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, Doug, once again, like I said, we appreciate you being a part of this. You finish off the season on a strong note with a dub, and uh, we can't wait to see you for, for our next trivia action. I'm sure we'll be interacting on you know social media or whatnot. So I appreciate it, man. Derek, thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Well, unfortunate there, I mean, we're, we try to be flexible. We try to be flexible with the matchups. If, if you let me know with enough time, we can talk with our, our other opponent that, hey, you know, can, can you move to this date? And that happens all the time. We have some matchups. That's what Friday is for and everything. But um, if you let me know two minutes before the matchup, I, I'm sorry. There's, there's not everything we can do. And sometimes the schedule doesn't work out for the other person when it's that last minute. So I feel bad for Hunter, but also that's just – kind of the the nature of the beast at the very least it wasn't something where um it impacted uh, like hunter wasn't gonna have the ability to go to the playoff or anything and i i get it again like i still feel bad about it but you got to give me more more notice than that so nonetheless doug comes up with the victory nine zero out of the forfeit there to come away on top we have one more trivia matchup this week it comes tomorrow in the monday division played on a friday between kyle martin and Blake McFarland. This is RCST Trivia here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. We'll be back after this time out. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved 
here in local sports. All right, time for a new segment here. I'm Derek Johnson, Nick Springer with me, and we've got a third in the studio right now. That would be one Sam Speck, who uh, I, I think you've been on RCST before, right? Yes, uh, you were out with a bug, I believe. Mm-hmm. So had a stomach uh, bug. I, we did, we ago. did step in for some RCST uh, fill-in, and then of course some sports. I know you guys have heard me there in the upcoming football season. You'll hear me there, and then covering for recording. The, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm sure you've uh, maybe bumped into me one or two times, but RCST wise, I think just the one or two shows that you were out uh, a little ill wise. Okay, so, so. Uh, Sam's going to join us for this, and the reason why is we, we need a third party. We need a neutral party here uh, so me and Nick can kind of play this game. And Nick had the great idea to do this, so Nick, I'm going to let you explain what exactly we're doing here. All right, so the title of the game is Florida Man Mad Libs. So for those of you, you remember in the, those little Mad Lib books you'd get where you fill in the blank with where it would say like verb, adjective, whatever. So the idea here is we are taking – Ridiculous headlines, not necessarily involving Florida Man, but Florida Man has kind of become the cultural norm for crazy things happening to Florida Man, Florida Man, whatever, uh, in headlines. So the idea here is Sam is going to read some crazy, ridiculous headlines that Derek and I do not know what they are, and there are going to be strategic blanks in those headlines. And then Derek and I will then have to guess what word belongs in the blank. So Sam's going to he's going to read the headline with the blanks and then he's going to give us some options of various words to fill in the blank in the ridiculous headline. These are real news headlines by the way, right Sam? These are yes, all they are. real actual headlines. They may not be as current as maybe a couple of weeks, but they are actually yes, real yes. headlines that have been found. Yes. So. so these are real actual headlines that Derek and I are going to have to guess by filling in the blank. So Sam in round one is going to give us some headline a headline with only one blank in it. Correct. Worth one point, and we'll have various words to guess from. And then in the second round, each headline will have two blanks in it. And each blank is worth one point. And if you get the entire headline correct, you earn three points. So it is the competition between Derek and I to see who can cool. better guess what the headlines are. And yeah. I made it difficult for you boys. So it's not like the, we're the more difficult this, the better. Uh, Come on. Yeah, we're we're not basing this off of prior knowledge, prior anything like that. Maybe you came across the the headline mm-hmm. by any means. So a perfect score is fifteen. So again, like you had mentioned, Nick, by the way, great idea. I have actually been overly excited for this uh, segment this whole week. <laughs> I'm very excited to, to bring you what I've found here. Um, okay. So are, I'm gonna are we ready? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna All open right. things up by simply just going with stories that is gonna prepare you, and then we're gonna get into that first level, which you just need to provide me with one blank. So I just need a quick reaction and everybody to get prepared because this is kind of so what the, we're these are just here. some teasers. Exactly. Right? This okay. is the, these are the stories that we're looking at here. A man <laughs> was arrested for having nearly a baseball-sized amount. Of something in an area that for some may be an unpleasant place. However, here was the name of the headline for you, Derek. It was a cheeky crime. Ah, <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. Way to, way to keep it appropriate yeah, on the airwaves. Exactly. We didn't have to hit the dump button. That is a worry for me as we do this. You know, uh, I like, go ahead and get that yeah, one ready. I don't know if anybody screened. I don't know if anybody screened the headlines <laughs> yeah, or not. Right. Uh, here, here's another one for you. And now, and this is more my reaction. This did come out of Florida, by the way. An armless Wait, man. Are you give us the answer. Was it cocaine? No. So, so heroin. The, I, who knows what was stuffed up there? But there, it said drugs, but a baseball-sized amount. Okay. In a region uh, that may or may not be pleasant to some or some others. Okay. So just imagine a baseball-sized so amount of 
something. That one's left more to the imagination. Yeah, yeah, you can, you can, you can probably finish that <laughs> sentence there. But an armless man in Florida. So here we go. Florida man, first Florida man here, was arrested for stabbing someone with no arms. So again, Derek, I kind of question, what position do you find yourself in to get stabbed by someone with no arms? Or okay, so what's going on there? And then, so for that one, you could have done. Florida man arrested for stabbing someone with blank. With blank, exactly, exactly. And then here's I would have the, never guessed someone with no one. Here's the last one to warm you up. Naked man wielding machete tries to steal off a local. However, he says he was trying to take his Jordans, not his clothes. So okay. instead of his clothing, he was trying to take his shoes. Okay, so interesting. He so he was naked, right, but he only wanted the shoes. Right. You guys ready for this? Let's yeah, do I'm, this. I'm, I'm, Round I'm number kidding. one, let's get into it here. It is a man was arrested for breaking into a couple's home. We're going to keep it simple here. Okay. Man arrested for breaking into a couple's home solely to watch his favorite show after his subscription to blank expired. Hulu, Disney, HBO, Netflix, or Peacock. Again, we're starting easy, but not really the best story. Again, your answers are Hulu, Disney, HBO, Netflix, and Peacock. I, I think it's Peacock. I think it's Peacock because really? Peacock is the least used of those. So, may, I don't know. Maybe he's a big fan of The Office, right? That's on Peacock. Sure. And um, I like that. I like that. Peacock answer. is one of those things where it's like, do I really want to pay for Peacock? I'm just going to do the free trial. No, that's of it. fair. I, I had the same thought, and I did not pay for Peacock. I was like, dude, I'm not going <laughs> to. Does anyone actually pay for their subscription? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so since Derek went for Peacock, I'm just going to go for what would be the most obvious one. I'm going to pick Netflix. I and think you are correct. Mr. Netflix. Springer coming oh. away with one point here in this first round. Again, there are some that are mm. obvious, and there are some that are so out in left field that you guys are really going to have to reach for. Which makes so the obvious yes, indeed, ones not obvious. See, here exactly. are. Exactly. This was the, the entirety. Man arrested for breaking into couple's home solely to watch his favorite show after his subscription to Netflix was expired. What was his favorite show? What was the show? Do you know? It was not listed, actually. I did uh, read through. I tried to bring uh, that piece of information. Bummer. Number two. So Nick with the lead, one to zero in the first round. Man attempts to evade police by blanking away. And again, this will be a verb, so okay. some action verb. Here are your five options. Running, biking, driving, Cartwheeling or crawling away. <laughs> so again, man attempt, and these are legitimate okay. news stories here. So running, <laughs> biking, driving, cartwheeling, or crawling away from police. I mean, the obvious one is the walking or the running, which the last one That's was true. obvious. But That's true. is that Sam just saying the first couple rounds we're going to make it obvious for you? <laughs> you never know. I'm making it hard on you guys here. This is the point. I'm going to go crawling because I just think that would be very funny. I'm going to pick cartwheeling. Like, think of the most hilarious way to elude the police. Just a guy doing cartwheels around them while they try to dive after him or something. I thought the same thing because, Nick, you are correct once again. Oh it God. is Go. man attempts to evade police by cartwheeling away. The reason why I thought that is because, you know, I think cartwheeling, it's maybe he thought he was the spokes of a wheel. Maybe I can turn into a wheel and, and yeah. accelerate out of here. Maybe that was his. I'll be honest. I, I can't it, do so. a cartwheel. I, can't I cannot it. either. So maybe okay. my sister tried to make me do one when I was four, and I broke my collarbone. So. Well, really? again, we we got it. We've got a big point-worthy second round, so you're not quite out of it yet. But Nick okay. with a 2-0 advantage. Here is our final question of the one-point questions. <laughs> a man was pulled over for a track uh, a traffic infraction. So a simple, you know, traffic infraction, only for officers to discover that the driver had an emotional support animal in his car. What was this animal? Was it a panther? Again, Ricky Bobby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> this was this was out of Florida. So yeah. yeah, I think Sharon was a cougar, but okay. cougars in and Florida <laughs> are, are are called panthers. Okay. A dog. So a panther, a dog, a squirrel, a python, or an armadillo. So again, 
Which emotional support animal did he have in his car? He was not arrested, nor whatever the charge was specified, but they did discover either a panther, a dog, python, squirrel, or armadillo in the vehicle. Which was that animal? This is a tough one. Nick, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Okay. Okay, so here's my thought process. Mm -hmm. This was in Florida, right? Yeah, 100%. Okay, That's yeah. why this I tried to get Florida. a lot of Florida answers on there. <laughs> this is in Florida. <laughs> I'm going to go with the python. Okay. That's I think a he bold, had an emotional support python with him in Florida. I mean, that is the one that makes the most sense. I uh, I am just because this is, it's, the answer is so different than the others outside of dog, but the dog is just the obvious one, right? Squirrel is just so different. <laughs> so I, I'm going to take squirrel. I was considering squirrel. Who has an emotional support squirrel now? This guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it was not this guy. It was oh. an emotional support python. So, Nick, you oh, are right three again. of three Let's in go. the first round here. So, so you still, guys I'm talked before this happened uh, about the rules. I, and I'm I was, starting to wonder if there no, was a little, is, there's little shenanigans. No collusion conspiring. here. Now no, he's listen, conspiring. We, this, of, is of the first, this is our first time doing this segment. we got to establish the integrity early. Now, I will no, say this. No shenanigans. With one round of the second round, because we're about to get to the second mm -hmm. level here, gents. With one round, you can tie the score. So right now, oh, okay. Nick's got an advantage of 3-0. Yeah, if you, get, if you get one headline it's, right, it's three if points. If you get I, this I, whole thing right, then you tie the, the ball rigged. game up. This is right. <laughs> I'm just staking we'll my see. claim right now. We'll see. So second level, and this is where it gets a little bit more interesting, right? <clears throat> you guys ready? You buckled in, mm -hmm. listeners? Let's do it. Ready to roll? Dump button ready over there? Okay. <laughs> a man's house was blank. Because he couldn't get a blank out of his toilet. So let me be clear on how the second round will work. We will specify both the blanks and the sentence of the news line. However, we will only ask for the first original missing word from our contestants, Mr. Eric Johnson and Nick Springer, and then we will move on to the second. So a man's excuse me, a man's house blank because he couldn't get a blank out of his toilet. So we'll start with the first blank. A man's house blank. Either burned down, collapsed, or flooded. Hmm. Kind of simple, but still hmm. very different in maybe scenarios there. So again, a man's house either burned down, collapsed, or flooded. I'm Nick, going flooded. Or, or flooded it is. Yeah, okay. Flooded. Yeah, that makes sense. It with just the makes toilet. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the toilet situation. You couldn't get something out of the toilet. Clogged or, it, yeah. Right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go burned down. Like imagine Ooh. this guy's got I don't know what it is, clogged in his toilet. He's panicking. And somehow that results in him starting something on fire. What and then he he's already get... panicked from the toilet, so he's like, oh, my God, my house is on fire, and then it just burns down. What if he couldn't get the dryer lint out of the dryer? Hey, there you go. Yeah, there See? you go. That would so cause mad if that's the correct answer. <laughs> now, here are the things that he needed to get out of his toilet. Okay. Okay? Okay. The toilet was correct. Man's house blank because he couldn't get a blank out of his toilet. He couldn't get a iguana, an entire roll of toilet paper... <laughs> Or an M80 firecracker okay. out of his toilet. So, again, he couldn't get an iguana, an entire roll of TP, or a f an M80 firecracker out of his toilet. There we go. What do we got? I, uh... Okay, the iguana... <laughs> like, I don't think... The iguanas can't breathe underwater, so... Uh, this isn't one of those, you know, you hear stories every now and but then, maybe like he they're flushed horrifying. It. Maybe he flushed well, that's it. what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> he flushed an iguana. Well, well, no, he flushed the water out and oh, the iguana oh, was trapped yeah, in there. Oh, see, what I was saying is that, like, you hear the occasional story of, like, a snake swam up the toilet or something. 
I don't think an iguana would be able to go up a toilet. Well, so. maybe he put it in there. Right, but, but I don't think you would. I don't think somebody would. I mean, this guy's house mm. got destroyed in some manner. He yeah. clearly is not intelligent. I don't enough think it's iguana. Uh, the toilet paper thing is kind of funny. If he just put, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> or a guest of his, just man, dude, I, I had a really <laughs> the bad trip to Taco Bell, man. I had to really <laughs> set her down there on the entire roll of TP. Uh, I feel like the one that makes the most sense is. Uh, I don't know. I. They're all in left field. This is what I was trying to do. I'm trying to bring them all out of left field. And to be honest, this is only so, this is subpar here to what, I think what we're about to get. With these Derek questions. is taking too long, so I would. Mm. I'm going to submit my answer. Let's see. Based on got? my first selection of he burnt the house burned down in my first blank, I'm going to go with the M80 firecracker. That okay. way, I think. See, that makes. Sense. I think it would make the most sense if that's actually it does kind of make sense what happened. So I'm locking in. Give me, why, give me a firecracker stuck why in the toilet. A stick of dynamite was in his toilet in the first <laughs> place. I don't know. I'm going to go M80 firecracker as well, but since I did toilet, I'm going to go under the premise that. A cop or something showed up to the house, and he had a bunch of like illegal fireworks, and he tried to shove them down the toilet, and, and that causes house to flood. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then That's a good was. one. Yeah. That's good. So, Derek, you did get the cause, or not the cause, but the overall uh, conclusion of things. So, so the house a man. To flood. Here is the overall headline of things. So, Derek, you come away with one point. A man's house was flooded because he couldn't get an iguana out of his toilet. <laughs> Should have gone with that the iguana, is no Derek. Joke. So Derek comes away with one point. I'm, okay, I have to assume that this man, because like you said, I don't think an iguana would swim up the toilet. So did he so have I, a pet iguana? That's what I'm like, thinking. I'm tired of you. That's what I'm thinking. He you had guys the want pet me iguana. to get a bio in it and like a description <laughs> on these stories. I certainly. I think can. it's more fun <laughs> to kind of guess. <laughs> yeah, actually. right. So guess. I'm thinking he had the iguana, and either the iguana tried to escape or he didn't want it. Somehow it ended up in the toilet. At which point he tried to maybe either flush it down the toilet. Or maybe he, maybe maybe this guy's a, a, a humanitarian and he, he flushed the toilet so that the iguana wouldn't drown, but then it kind of backfired. Whatever it, it is, <laughs> I struggle to put myself in his shoes. So right, what's I, the next one? Okay, next one. We got a three-one score right now. We'll try and rip through these ones. We got a couple more. Okay, so a Florida man. I'll put that one out there. Not all of these are Florida men, but uh, or women. But Florida man steals his roommate's blank, injures it, and leaves it at a blank. So. <laughs> You can't injure an inanimate object. So, so here's here's the first here's the first thing. So a Florida man steals his roommate's either dog, finger, or parrot, <laughs> injures it, and leaves it at a blank. So we'll start with the first one again. A Florida man parrot. steals his roommate's blank parrot. I think I'm gonna pick parrot as well. Okay, so parrot it is. So we'll go to the second one. So a Florida man steals his roommate's blank, injures it, and leaves it at a elementary school. A, an Asian restaurant or a dry cleaner of those three. <laughs> Again, where did he leave this quote-unquote, or whatever, a finger, dog, parent, where did he leave an elementary school, an Asian restaurant, or a dry cleaner? I, I'm going to pick dry cleaner. I think he, he's got the parrot, and he, he needed a quick place to, to leave it. <laughs> Dry cleaner. What does that mean? Uh, so dry cleaner? That's it. Listen, we've already established that. We've already established that none of these make oh, a lot God. of sense. Uh, See, that's what I'm trying to get under the idea. Like, why would you bring a parrot to a dry cleaner? I can't think. It's of just the first place. That don't forget, he stole the parrot. So yeah, parrot. Know, maybe yeah. he his maybe his apartment or wherever he lived was next to a, a dry cleaner. But clearly, so he steals the parrot and it gets hurt, and he's like, "Oh boy, I got to ditch this thing." Dry cleaner is the first place that's right next to us. But if house. you stole it, you had a reason to take it, right? You yeah. wanted it for a certain reason. So I think you brought it somewhere that you wanted to bring it. 
Why would you bring it to a Chinese restaurant? Why would you bring it to a dry cleaner? School's the only one that makes sense. Maybe it was for like your kids show and tell or something. Maybe this guy's divorced. He's living with a roommate. I'm going to go to school. I did read into this one because this one's so from left field. Uh, no, this was just a deranged man that stole his roommate's parrot, injured it, and left it in an Asian restaurant oh. to be found. So both of you got a point out of that one. But uh, yeah. I, uh, there was not much more context to that. I'm glad I didn't go to an So it sounds school. like it was like a I'm, it was I'm a revenge you. thing on his roommate. Oh, okay. He purposely been. injured the parrot, then just left it somewhere. Yeah, we didn't get uh, much context on the reason. I didn't as consider to why him purposely it. I, I thought either. it would be like on the getaway. Like imagine yeah, just like I got the parrot in his arms. Right. And All right, like, boys, you ready for this one? And, huh? Yeah, let's do it. So both of you got a point on that one. Nick still with a three point advantage. We gotta go quick on this one. Okay, man pulled over, found to have a clown mannequin in the passenger seat of his car. He was also found with a blank in his blank <laughs> have fun with this one so the first blank found with a live snake grenade or panther in his prison pocket again have your imagination run with that one middle console or the truck's toolbox so we'll start with the first one here man pulled over because of a clown mannequin in the passenger seat also found with a live snake grenade or panther Derek we'll start with you grenade Okay. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go grenade too. Actually, I think grenade it's. It I think it's okay. a grenade. Found with a live grenade in his. You gotta answer first. Prison pocket. Middle okay. console or the truck's toolbox. I'm gonna guess. Do you know what a prison pocket is? Yes. I don't want to describe. Yeah. It. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So okay. We're, we're, we're on the same. Page. <laughs> we're on the same page here. You can stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess middle console. I'm thinking okay. the 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 cop walked up. He pulled him over, and he just sees a grenade right in his console, just ready to explode. This guy wants to. I don't know. He's he's wants to do bad things to the clown mannequin, I guess. I have to answer differently to have a chance of winning. I'm just gonna go the truck toolbox. Toolbox. It was, it was not the mm. toolbox. Coming away with our first three point answer wow. of the day. Yes, Let's go. Yeah. A live grenade in the middle console. Uh I will get this other question to you boys off air just so we have an even okay. score <laughs> otherwise. But what a fun segment. I can't wait till next Thursday and uh thank you so much. All right, thank that's you, Sam. Sam Speck. Nick Springer, the winner of our first Florida Man Mad Libs. This Let's is go. RCST.